When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi, I'm James Deacon and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is host of the better known podcast, Ivan Wise. How are you, Ivan? I'm fine. Well, at least I was fine until I submitted to do this programme and you begin to realise that there are all these sorts of things out there that you have a loathing for and can't stand. And it gives you a bit of a different complexion on the universe. I suddenly realise I'm a more uh, negative, bitter person than I thought was possible. Oh, no, I didn't mean to do that to you. But it's fine. I mean, even this morning, I was uh, driving uh, in, in near the village where I live and I saw one of those old-fashioned coaches, so dilapidated, about 20 years old. And it's one of those ones that says executive travel on to make it look like, uh, I don't know what these executives are. Yeah. This one was even worse. Yeah. It had five stars on it. No. Um, first class VIP. <laughs> I didn't see anyone there who was working in an executive yeah. position. Yeah, OK, I see. What, like, I, I don't know how you can advertise that that's what it is if that's just not what it is well if I'd known the, the guy who ran the company he would be uh, one of my options tonight but okay. I, just, I just don't know his name unfortunately right I see okay uh, Ivan uh, as always let's dive in who's going to be a first person my first choice is a Russian czar called Ivan the Terrible Ivan the Terrible okay interesting I, f- I first became aware of him at a very young age when uh, quasi humorous adults knowing that my name was Ivan would then suggest that maybe I was a relation or that I was him reincarnated. Now, he was from the 16th century. <laughs> yeah. And unless you believe in reincarnation, it seems very unlikely that we, we had any formal link. Yeah. Um, okay. But I've been aware of this person all my life. And I, I, I was concerned about putting him on the island because there's only going to be me and three other people. Yeah. So if two of them are called Ivan. Yes. When you've got a slightly unusual name, you get a bit resentful of people who've got the same name as you anyway. Of course. If you've got a relatively normal name, you just get used to it. But it, it happens fairly infrequently. Um, so I became aware of it at a young age, and ever since then, I've 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 really had a, a deep loathing of the man. So, so what sort of age are we talking about here? So, I was probably four years old when I first became aware of him. Mm. I didn't read his biographies until a slightly later date. It's quite a dark story, Ivan the Terrible's life. Um, he was, in fact, the fourth Ivan to lead Russia. The first was called Ivan the money bags rich guy right okay the second one was Ivan the fair and okay. the third one which no one ever mentioned to me when I was four was called Ivan the great oh that's good so that's much better and the reason he was great because he tripled the territory of the state and there's actually a uh, a big building next to the Kremlin in Moscow named after him with the unfortunate name of Ivan the great bell tower <laughs> 
So if you read that wrong, it sounds <laughs> okay. like it's an insult. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but I- Ivan the Fourth, Ivan the Terrible. So his, his name in Russian is Ivan Grozny, which actually translates as Ivan the Formidable. So oh. there is a, a kind of a, a more positive spin than terrible. And um, he his main kind of contribution to the world was uh, in, if you go to Red Square in, in Moscow, then the, the big cathedral there, the Cathedral of St. Basil, which is the, the famous one with the onion domes on, he built that in the 1550s. So, wow. So that is a big legacy that he's had been there for 450 years. Did he feel compelled to look up his history because of be, uh, being called Ivan the Terrible as a child? I think when you become aware of a famous person at a young age, uh, I didn't do it immediately. As I said, I, I couldn't, I, I don't think I could read when I first heard of him. So <laughs> yeah. it would have been odd to start looking for his biographies in the library. But um, over time, because the jokes in a way never stop. Okay, uh, Even right. today, it, it's still funny. Um, I don't know if you've got any famous people that share the same name as you. Um, maybe James. You do. <laughs> well, James <laughs> Yeah. Not that I know of, no. no. No, okay. Well, maybe there is. But anyway, but uh, I began to find out more about him. So he set up the Oprichniki, which was the original KGB. So he was wow. kind of um, in there with the secret police from the beginning. As a child, he liked to throw animals off buildings. He used to execute people even before he got power. Um, he boiled his treasurer to death in a cauldron because he'd done the budget wrong. Um, oh, my God. He, used to, he got married a number of times. He used to hold beauty contests. To select his brides, but when he got bored of the beauty contest, he'd go off and do a beheading and an impaling just to kind of keep him engaged. Just to, <laughs> just to make sure he's still a man of the people. I think he just got bored quite easily, had quite a short attention span, and um, every few minutes he just needed to do something to kind of liven himself up. He used to put his enemies into cannons and fire them off in the direction of Poland. Oh, my God. I mean, he's not a nice guy, and I really fear, if I was on a desert island with him, that just for lack of alternatives, he, he would want to do one of these punishments to me. So... Um, um, it would be a hideous thing to be stuck with him for eternity. My next uh, question was going to be, do you think you have any uh, similar personality traits to Ivan the Terrible? I hope that you don't. I'm not aware that I do. He was quite a delusional man as well. When he became drunk uh, or when he fornicated with other women, which he did a lot, he believed that it was God who was getting drunk or fornicating through him. I, I That's not something I've, <laughs> I've ever felt myself. No, yeah. um, and... Um, <laughs> So he was quite a violent person. I mean, it was a very violent time. There was a big fire in Moscow in 1947 and members of his own family got... Um, in, so his uh, his uncle was stoned to death in, in the cathedral in front of the head of the church. Um, the, the mob demanded that Ivan's grandmother be put to death as a witch. So to some extent, the context of the time, maybe his behaviour wasn't all that uh, unusual. But no. um, I don't think any of his character traits are ones that I would like to say that I share as if people just used to go around doing that and that was just, you know, commonly accepted as something people got up to. Well, it was, it was a different time then. He, he had ultimate power. He could do what he liked and mm. the ordinary people had very little authority. Um, his first wife died uh, quite young, which is why he started having these bridal contests later on. And um, he, he, wasn't, he didn't want to talk about it. And unfortunately, the Vatican sent over an audience uh, to him about 20 years later and no one had told them that his wife had died. So they brought all these wonderful presents for Anastasia and... Um, he had to say, actually, you know, you know, she's no longer with us. So, so he had some personal setbacks along the way. Okay, but I'm not convinced that justifies some of the more heinous acts that he committed. I don't think so. No, it sounds terrible. And, and so, when other people in your class maybe have got a name of somebody, maybe more, maybe there's someone in your class called Martin or yeah. Martin Luther King, uh, you know, someone like that. When that's the person you're being compared to by every 
quasi-humorous adult who thinks they're saying it for the first time, you can nice. see how you can see how it has some level of impact over that. Yeah, okay, I see. Who are these adults as well? Because were you terrible as a child? Well, that, that was one of their, their first lines, actually, yeah. Right. And uh, if I had the wit to say, actually, the, the word Grozny officially translated as formidable, uh, you've actually made a, a linguistic error that uh, I feel the <laughs> yeah. need to correct. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have the wit to do that as a four-year-old. Um, I do now, but um, it doesn't have so much impact. I, no, I now. okay. Um, so a good child then? I was reasonably well behaved, I think. Okay. Um, so I, I certainly didn't um, uh, grow up in, in a climate of 15, 1540s Moscow. <laughs> no. uh, very, very different conditions, I think, yeah. in the 1980s. But uh, what I would say is that I, what, what I felt very strongly about as soon as it became clear that this wasn't going to end is that I, I would seek to find out as much as I could about this man so that um, I could correct people on point of accuracy, uh, if nothing else. Nice. OK, you've got that in your back pocket. Um, Ivan the Terrible's time makes uh, the times that we live in seem quite dull. They are dull. They're also much, much better and safer yes. and nicer and more comfortable and pleasant. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, yeah. I think that's it. One of the reasons I've always been interested in history is um, it's very easy to assume that what life is like now here today is what life has always been like in every country at every time mm. but obviously it doesn't take long to find out that that's not the case and if you read about history through individual people you suddenly realise they've had ridiculous amounts of power or just authority to do anything and there's been no consequences and I think he ruled until his death and there wasn't suddenly some tribunal or some um, no. <laughs> some some court because obviously he owned the courts, yes. he owned the secret police uh, the Oprichniki as I mentioned and they, they used to go around, they dressed in black which is good, I like the stylistic point, no. they used to hang dog, dogs' heads from the bridles and their horses. So they made it very clear that, that uh, you know, they, they've got dogs' heads, so they're get, get, getting human heads next. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, it's hard to imagine that in, in, um, in present-day Hertfordshire. No, you can't. It's true. Yeah, you can't imagine. Like, dogs' heads. Why did they think, OK, we, we, we could kill a dog? You know? I, I suspect it wasn't just because they could kill a dog, but I suspect when they then went to find the people who they'd been sought to go and look out, they had a bit more of a threatening it's image quite menacing, than yeah. if they were dressed in just kind of some kind of fluffy uniform uh, with ribbons on their horse. A dog's head makes you think whoever's riding that horse is, is going to get what they want and it's probably better that I give them the information that they need. Oh, this is good. This is good. Ivan the Terrible. Wow. What an, actually, thinking about it, if those adults had thought about what they were actually saying to you, it's quite nasty to be calling a kid Ivan the Terrible. Well, it, there wasn't a child in my class called Joseph, but had there been, would they have said, or at Stalin? Okay, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think they would have I done. don't think they would have. Because I think because Stalin is relatively recent in our history. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was on a much bigger scale, his killing, but also uh, obviously leading the same nation. And I think that would have been deemed unacceptable. So maybe it's because more time has passed or maybe these adults weren't particularly clued up on exactly what they were talking about. I think it's, I mean, none of them were professors of Russian history, as no, far as I'm aware. Yes. I definitely didn't get that impression. But there's certainly a cut-off point whereby um, once you go further back in time, it's more acceptable to make light of misery and tragedy and so forth, which, which is a policy I entirely approve of, except when it's inflicted upon me. Yeah, OK, all right. Uh, Ivan the Terrible is going to be your first choice. Anything else on Ivan the Terrible? No, I think um, I, I think I think I've hopefully given an impression of of the sort of man he was. Yeah. He saw he he had nothing to stop him from punishing his enemies. Uh, he was all ego. He was all about belittling others. Mm. And when you think about a desert island situation where you haven't necessarily got food or water supply, you, you've got no necessarily hope of being rescued. Can you imagine every single evening having to? 
when you're going to sleep thinking, well, wait a minute, maybe tonight's the night he gets a, a rage to uh, to fire me out of his cannon if he's kept one with him <laughs> yeah. in his hand luggage yeah. on the aeroplane. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just think it would make for a very unrelaxing campfire. OK, yeah, it would. <laughs> you don't need two Ivans on the island. And I think that's where I started from. I just think it would be, it would be extremely annoying if when somebody said the name Ivan... <laughs> We then weren't sure which one of us we were looking at. That's going to be the um, most annoying thing. So we'd have to nickname him. <laughs> yeah. you know, which one do you mean? Do you mean the, the terrible stroke formidable or do you mean his kind of more recent um, imitator? ITT or IW. Yeah, um, it's an insult, isn't it? Okay, uh, so Ivan Trouble goes on as your first person on the island. Ivan, who's going to be your second person? My second choice is the novelist Evelyn Waugh. Evelyn Waugh. Now, I should begin by saying that Evelyn Waugh, I think, is a great novelist. I've read lots of his books. I think they're very funny. I think he's an excellent writer. Hmm. But when I looked into him as a man, as a human being, again, I'm not sure I'd like to spend much time with him. Okay, interesting. So uh, when I I read that you'd picked Evelyn Waugh as uh, one of your choices, I did a little bit of research and I didn't uncover much. So please, fill me in. So again... If, if we're going to be all liberal and kind about it, we, there were some tragedies in his life. So uh, he became a teacher when he left university, which is obviously you know an awful job to have to get into. <laughs> yeah. I get absolutely against as well. And he hated it so much. He was in North Wales. He was so bored. He actually tried to um, commit suicide, but he did it in a kind of very ridiculous way. He um, kind of took all his clothes off on a beach one night, started swimming out to sea, having left behind a little suicide note written in ancient Greek. That was the sort of okay, fellow he was. Nice. Um, but unfortunately, he got stung by a jellyfish and he was in pain, so he just came back to shore <laughs> and that was the end of the suicide attempt. <laughs> That's amazing. But, you know, obviously it's unpleasant to get in that situation. He no. uh, got uh, engaged to a woman also called Evelyn, very mm. unfortunate coincidence. And so he had to be called he, Evelyn, she was she, Evelyn. She'd already been engaged nine times before because this was the 1920s where you got engaged as soon as you'd been introduced to somebody. Mm. Anyway, unfortunately, very early on in their marriage, she had an affair with a guy she later said she didn't even like and then they got divorced. Later on, he had a uh, nervous breakdown. So there were a number of things that happened to him that were not very pleasant. Mm. So I say that just as a preamble Caveat, to, yeah. to, to then explain what he then did. Um, so uh, he, he had a number of... Uh, so he eventually got married for the second time, married happily, and he had seven children. But the way he spoke about his children, I think, wouldn't come up to modern standards of fatherhood. Uh-huh. So he said um, that during the Blitz, so this is after the Second World War, I was asked if I wanted to have my books or my son evacuated to the safety of the countryside. I chose my books because many of them are irreplaceable, but I could always have another son. Wow. <laughs> Really? And, and, and of course, the important thing with someone like Evelyn Waugh is he was famous for being funny. He was an ironic writer. He was a satirist. So did he mean that? I don't know. Okay. But he did say a lot of other things that make you think, well, he certainly had a bit of an obsession with not liking his children. So when his children um, uh, became of school age, he would openly rejoice at the end of the holidays because then they were going back to school. <laughs> and he didn't okay. have to talk to them. There was a famous story during the Second World War. So obviously very little fruit coming in out of the country. He got hold of four bananas. And so he got that out at breakfast in front of all of his children. He had, I think, six or seven children. His children had never seen such an exotic fruit before. Mm. And he then kind of puts them on a bowl. He then starts putting sugar on it and cream. And then in front of them eats all four <gasps> bananas. No. Which it just seems a bit of an, un- it seems a calculatedly sadistic thing yeah, to do. Yeah, a bit unkind. Uh, and there just seems a bit of a pattern of that sort of behaviour where he said, my idea of fatherhood is, is being in Abyssinia, so now Ethiopia, sending a telegram saying to your wife, have you had your child yet and what have you called it? 
So I wow. don't think we can call him a modern modern <laughs> man. <in that laughs> Definitely sense. not. Maybe there are some modern men who'd like to be like that, but um, possibly not him. Uh, possibly not today. Um, but he was generally unpleasant, not just to his children. So um, yeah, when his friend Randolph Churchill, I think the son of Winston Churchill, became ill, there was an infection in his lungs. Um, fortunately, Randolph was found to be uh, okay. It was found to be not malignant. And he said it was a typical triumph for modern science to find the only part of Randolph Churchill that was not malignant and then remove that. Wow. So, you know, again, great one-liners. Did he mean it? Did he not mean it? He's obviously a very intelligent man. Um, I think, um, case in point, the bananas and cream uh, story, I think there's part of him that does does mean what he says in these quotes. I think so. And, and obviously there's a difference between when it's just something you say as a joke and something you actually then do. Mm. I mean, from what I understand, the root of him was he was just he was a very bored person. As in he, again, maybe like my first choice, got easily bored. So uh, when he was at school, he founded something called the Corpse Club, which is not quite as bad as you think. It's okay. um, for people who are bored stiff. So right, essentially okay. this was the defining aspect of his life, that he just got very easily bored and he was constantly seeking... Uh, interest and entertainment and, and doing something. What different. did the board stiff people do in this club? <laughs> I think they just all sat there together and just kind of hope for the end. <laughs> Moan about everything. Um, yeah. But um, somebody, a friend of his, said that he was constantly suffering from ennui. So you know the French version of being bored. And mm. he said it was just a major affliction for him. He was constantly looking for something to enliven him. But I don't think he got on very well with other people, partly because of this malicious sight. He was in the army in the Second World War, and um, uh, Fitzroy MacLean, who was one of the people he served with, said his entire military career he never. Ever met an officer so loathed by the men who served under him. So there is a bit of a pattern of people close to him saying that he that he wasn't a nice guy. I mean, interestingly, his own children did seem to quite like him. So Oberon War, who was one of his children, um, wrote to him kind of uh, towards the end of his life, where he said, just a line to tell you what, for some reason, I was never able to show you in my lifetime, that I'd admire, revere and love you more than any other man in the world. So, I mean, wow. I don't know if his son was suffering from some awful Stockholm syndrome or <laughs> yeah, some other thing, yeah. despite, every, despite all the banana It's delirious, yeah. So, um, so, 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 you know, his children, I, I think, were a bit more fond of him. But um, as I say, if you assume that the context of some of these comments is genuine, you just think again, OK, so I'm stuck on this desert island for months, mm. years, who knows how long it will be. And this guy finds it amusing and is easily bored, so needs to find things amusing all the time to belittle, undermine, do practical jokes, <sighs> do everything he can to make your life awful and will never kind of you know, look for forgiveness. I mean, interestingly, he was a Catholic, and he said um, that if it wasn't for his Catholicism, he'd be an appalling human being. So he thinks wow. that his religion was the only thing that gave him any kind of level of decency at all. But as my examples may suggest, I'm not sure that there was any. No, I think from my light research, I did read that he... Uh, when I say light research, I mean I went on <laughs> Wikipedia. But when I, when I looked on Wikipedia, it said, said that he spent a lot of his time drinking and partying. Yeah, I mean, he died uh, relatively young, I think um, early 60s. And certainly by the time he was 50, he'd kind of become a very much a kind of country gent. He was quite portly mm. um, and he very much liked the, you know, the kind of club environment, other men's company kind of drinking and so forth. Mm. So no doubt his health wasn't that good either. No. Um, but he did over his life alienate a lot of people, including those very close to him. And as I say... Um, Although I think the books he wrote are hilarious, genuinely mm. hilarious, which is very rare. Normally books after 90, 100 years are not funny, like humid dates, like nothing else. So as a writer, I think he's phenomenal. And I would recommend 
to read his books on a desert island, mm. but I wouldn't necessarily want him there with me. No, of course, yeah. That would probably get quite grating after a while. Right? I think so. Yeah. Um, anything else on Evelyn War? No, I don't think so. Okay, all right. Thank you very much, Ivan. That's going to be a second person. And uh, who's going to be a third person on the island? My third person, like both the first two, is also no longer with us, so okay. they will not be able to sue. No, um, no it's, it's good choice. It's Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Dare I ask why? She, everybody has an opinion on Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. She is one of those people that even people who were born after she left office not only have heard of but have lots of ideas and views on. Mm. So I wouldn't try and take a particularly strong political view on her either way. Okay. I think, again, she's just a profoundly unpleasant person to be around from what I can gather. Mm. And just the idea of having to spend any time one-on-one with her, let alone extended periods of time, I think would be horrendous. Plus, I think it would just be interesting to see the political fight for power that would obviously emerge between yes. Margaret Thatcher and Ivan the Terrible, because That's both good. of them were masters of their political game in different environments. They were. Would she be prepared to use some of the tactics that... Uh, Ivan the Fourth did to bring him down. Well, that's what I'm interested to know. So, so it's partly I'd just be interested to get those two together and set them off mm. and see whether, as I've always believed, that she was kind of reined in by the fact it would be unacceptable to boil your treasurer or your chance of exchequer in a cauldron or fire them off in a cannon. Mm. But in the lawlessness of a desert island, True. would she, with such an opposition as that, stoop? to that level, or even go beneath. And, and I'd be fascinated to find that out. Maybe uh, the lawlessness of the island, but also should she have lived in Ivan Terrible's time, would she have been up to the similar sort of thing? I think if, if, as a woman, she'd been given any power at all, I suspect that she wouldn't have been permitted to seek higher political office. But certainly... No, true. Uh, That's c- true. Certainly, certainly with that kind of caveat aside, uh, it would be fascinating to know. It's obviously one of those counterfactuals we can never know, but I suspect strongly that she might be interested in that, yes. Where's Evelyn War in this um, in this argument? Well, 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 <laughs> interestingly, I think Evelyn War would probably be the most pleasant of the three of them. I, mean, yes. I think he would um, no doubt be doing all he could to play them off against each other, undermine them, maybe try and form alliances. So uh, he's a bit of a loose cannon. I don't know where this leaves me, by the way. No, <laughs> I know, that's what I was thinking. I think I'm just yeah. going to observe and hopefully run away and <laughs> yeah. swim, swim for it. Yeah. Provided there are no jellyfish to sting me. Um, so I don't quite know how you get involved. But but really, my issue with her is several things. So firstly, mm. I think a complete lack of self-awareness. Yes. So it's quite yeah. standard for politicians to be drunk on their own ambition and glory. Because really, why would you go for these top jobs unless you really believe you were the best? Sure. But she was someone who throughout her career talked a lot about people making good on their own and being self-made. And um, she was obviously famous for perhaps being slightly less than sympathetic to some of the people in society who didn't have that much to begin with. So, But yet she believed in herself of a myth of a self-made person. So she talked a lot about how her father was a, a grocer and owned a grocery shop in Grantham in Lincolnshire where she grew up, which was true. Mm. But he was also the mayor of Grantham. He was also right. chairman of governors of the girls' grammar school. So he wasn't as unconnected as she made out. Then in a, a, a very young, the night in fact she was elected to, or she was chosen to be the candidate, Tory candidate for Dartford. She met Dennis Thatcher, her future husband, who was a multimillionaire. He'd made a family fortune. And, and there was, as far as I could gather, very little self-awareness that she herself had only succeeded because of these advantages. Mm. But yet she was not the first to extend those advantages or be sympathetic to others who didn't have them. Right, I see. Interesting. OK, so hiding aspects of her, of her past um, and only highlighting the parts that made her seem more favourable. to. I think the... so. Mm. And she was a real bully as well. So, again, it would be fascinating to see how she'd take on the other two. So her first head of policy unit when she became 
Prime Minister, said you break every rule of man management, you bully your weaker colleagues, you criticise colleagues in front of each other, in front of their officials, you give little praise or credit, you're too ready to blame others. Uh, her principal private secretary said she was like feeding, talking to her was like feeding a fierce animal. Wow. Um, so a lot of those people who worked with found her very bullying, very dogmatic. Mm. And she obviously made that part of her image that, that you know, the lady's not for turning, um, that she was very much a person of her principles. But again, I just think as somebody to actually do business with, to go, look, are you going to go and get the fruit today? Are you going to go and get you do the fishing no, today? No, yes, of course. I'm not sure I'd enjoy dealing with that sort of person. <laughs> I feel like these three characters that you've chosen are going to be ordering around, are you about the island. I think, I think uh, I, I'm not going to be able to stay on this island for very long. I'm going to have to hide on another bit of the island where they're not. Absolutely. Um, and again, just to give a, you know, so various unpleasant things happened to her. So two of her close friends were killed by the IRA, Airy Neve and Ian Gow. Um, her uh, husband, Dennis, had a nervous breakdown. Um, he went to South Africa to recover for two months. So, you know, again, there were lots of struggles in her life. But um, I think, as is the theme today, we're not going to forgive people just because they have a hard, hard time. True, of yeah, that's a good get, point. I think we're going to judge them by what they do. Um, she was quite hypocritical, I think, about her role of women. So obviously, first female prime minister. She only ever brought one woman into the cabinet. She had a little soundbite in politics. If you want anything said, ask a man if you want anything done ask a woman but she didn't actually employ any women to um, to right. do any of the doing so how much did she really believe that um, that famous catchphrase I mentioned earlier the lady's not for turning she said that another point being powerful is like being a lady if, it, if you have to tell people you are then you aren't but then obviously she did tell people in the, the lady's not for turning catchphrase yes so, so there's again a bit of a contradiction there about where did she really stand on women was she um, pro them she said she was much more proud of being the first science graduate prime minister than the first female prime minister so you doubt whether she was that interested in equality or issues of that nature. Interesting. Used her advantage as and when she felt. I think so. I, I think she she was a very adversarial person. She really hated the idea of consensus. So if you think one thing and I think the other, rather than as most politicians do, you try and meet in the middle, her view was you're completely wrong and I'm completely right. Oh, that'd be difficult. And it would be difficult when you're trying to you know, dig a hole in the ground, you're trying to build a trench, you're trying to build shelter. Yeah. And, and, and even worse than that, I don't even know if she even did that. So she had this very adversarial point of view, but then she contradicted it lots of times. So she said that you know, after the, uh, the terrible IRA bomb in Brighton in 1984, how they would never never engaged with the IRA, but there were back channels for years, which may have been the right decision. But um, let's not claim that we're absolutely not talking to the other side uh, and mm. then doing that at the same time. So, so there were a lot of contradictions about her. And um, she's obviously one of those figures that a lot of people today love still, mm. I think. I think there is still quite a significant section of people who yeah. wish she... She came back from the dead, sure. or that her she was reincarnated. I don't know how much there is of that in Russia for other than terrible. Um, <laughs> but but there's always been a big section of people who hated. It. Obviously, people whose um, livelihoods and towns got um, destroyed by mining cuts and by um, uh, benefit structural changes and so forth. So I think a lot of people don't like it. But I think she played on the fact that if you're really adversarial and you make out that you're really on people's side, then they will come to you. Mm. And I just think that makes probably her a very unpleasant person to play cards with or, yeah, or um, yeah. to go for a walk with on a Sunday. Yes, OK. Um, and, and you don't know how much that spilled into a private life. And with all these people, obviously, I only know them. I didn't, I have to be honest, know any of these people personally. No. Yeah. Um, so I'm only guessing on what they were like in private. But when people who knew them day to day were being quite critical of them, then you have to give some credit to that, I think. OK, interesting. Margaret Thatcher, for all of the reasons above, um, You've set yourself up here for quite the island so far. 
Well, I'm very much hoping that we're rescued. Yes. Uh, I'm very much hoping that uh, <laughs> yeah. the other three just manage to have a battle and, and kind of um, destroy themselves. I would much rather, I think, if I'm honest, be spend a year alone on this island, maybe then, five years alone, than with these two people. Yeah, I'll force your hand, yes. I think even in War of the Three of Them is the only one who I think I could... Potentially. Potentially get on with yes. after a few brandies yeah. in the right sort of mood. The other two I think I would struggle with. Um, okay, so Margaret Thatcher. Anything else on Margaret Thatcher? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay, um, thank you very much, Ivan. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ivan, now mercifully among the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? My food choice... Food first. ...is coleslaw. Coleslaw! And I think the reason is, is because I don't know what it's for. Ah. So, like many people, I think I had coleslaw. It's, I think, as I recall, it's a bit of a standard at school mm. dinners again. So I think mm. it goes back that far. And I remember when I first saw it, I was like, I know, is this, a, is this some protein? Or maybe I didn't think of those terms in that age. But, you know, is it equivalent? Of, is it a meat substitute? Mm. Is it a potato thing? Is it just salad? Yeah. Uh, or, or is it really none of the above? Is it a sauce? Is it a or... sprinkling thing? Is it a sauce? And it really just didn't seem to fit into any category. And again, it, it's a problem when you pick something, uh, item of food that you have maybe when you're younger and you probably get a lower quality version of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some great coleslaw made. I'm sure there are some great <laughs> chefs out there who can rustle up a mean coleslaw. <laughs> yeah. But my, my early exposure to it over a number of uh, times where you know, I was forced to eat it, mm. as you often are when you're, when you're eating at school when you're young, it was, it was a nothing food. It had no point. It was quite bland or it was just a bit horrible it didn't seem to add any nutrition right and whenever you saw it as the food on the day on the menu on the on, you know when you went up to get it you felt slightly less happy about the rest right of the okay interesting so uh, you know in, in with with due respect to coleslaw i try to find out a little bit about what it is because okay know, like obviously lots of food i'm sure your guests choose i've not had it for a long time because no what's great about being an adult is you don't have to eat food <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. i think um george hw bush said that about broccoli he said now i'm president i'm not going to eat broccoli ever no. again well, i'm not i'm not president but i'm not going to eat coleslaw so it is basically shredded raw cabbage with salad mm, dressing mm-hmm. i think but that sounds quite boring but then i looked up and said lots of international coleslaws don't have cabbage no apparently they have kind of cabbage substitutes carrot or something else it's carrot and they don't have to have mayonnaise either they can have something else that's a bit similar so it's one of those things that i think is a little bit in the eye of the beholder so i'm sure it's possible to do it well because you can just basically put in any ingredient that you want mm. um but but my experience it was it was very possible to do it badly yes and it didn't really taste of anything very nice it was it's a bit cold and a bit it, and salad generally i have a bit of an issue with i think standard salad because i don't really see why people are eating it is it is it nice? Is it making them uh, healthier? Is it make? I, I think it isn't. I think it's just one of those foods that doesn't make you any fatter and doesn't make you ill. So people just kind of have it for that. So interesting. So I don't really like salad generally, but coleslaw specifically is something that I would rather. If essentially, which is I think the premise of this question, mm-hmm. it's all I'm going to have forever. Forever, yeah. This is this is unacceptable. Um, okay, I'll be catching fish. 
<laughs> but the coleslaw that you'd get at school, I imagine it would be quite dry, no sauce. That would it be like that? Or I think that's right. And I think like other things that you have at that age, maybe like semolina. I don't know if you remember that. Mm. Um, it's it's quite easy never to have them again. Yeah. So I'm fully aware that I might be having a eight year old's view of it that's out of date because. I, my tastes have matured, let nice, me tell you. Yeah. And also the quality of the cooking may have improved. I think, though, are you ever, I'm sure I'm going out to places and I'm having, like, a say, a cafe having a sandwich and it comes with a little side salad or something. There's often coleslaw on there, no? Well, possibly. I mean, I think I'm not eating it if there is. Right, um, okay. or, they, or maybe they've disguised it so well that I'm not noticing it. Ah. Um, so as I say, it, it, it's odd with these sort of things because f- food is such a evocative thing. It kind of reminds you of where mm. you were when you had it. And because I've not had it in so many years, I think it's possible that, uh, or I'm not aware I've had it. Mm. I certainly didn't order the thing on the menu saying, I want coleslaw. Yeah. They might have given it to me without me knowing. Um, that I've still kind of, I'm still stuck in this kind of um, old view of it. So I'm very happy to have my view updated no doubt if I'm eating it three times a day on an island, I'll be forced <laughs> to do that. probably will, yeah. So maybe if I'm absolutely specific, what I mean is is that the thing I really don't want on desert island is the coleslaw that I had when I was eight mm. with my eight-year-old's mindset about it, So if, w- if you can manage that. Whenever, you know, I'm with you, yeah. I mean, uh, just whenever we're getting coleslaw. So I do have coleslaw at home with, with things, not that often, to be honest, or, or when I'm out. But I think when you see, when you pick it up in the supermarket... Uh, and now it has the little bars that tell you um, what's in amount of fat, amount of salt, and all that kind of stuff. I think coleslaw is really bad for you now. Is it? It's full of cream and and mayo and stuff so like that. It doesn't even have that going for it. No, it doesn't. No, it's definitely not healthy. Okay, coleslaw is going to be a food choice. And what's going to be a drink choice? My drink is something I call worm medicine. Well, yeah, what is this then? So um, when you're, so I was one of four children. Yep, and when uh, you're a child, you uh, have perhaps more relaxed attitudes towards hygiene than yes. you as an adult. Yeah. And so you occasionally get this thing called worms, yeah. which is actual worms that are um, visiting parts of the body that you I know about this. weren't. Yes. And, yeah. and, um, and when you've got you know several brothers and sisters, then you can catch it quite easily between you um, if you don't wash your hands no. properly. I mean, it's, it's sensible. And as adults, we know better, but as children, maybe not. Um, anyway, and so I have a strong recollection of being a young child again. I'm, I'm sorry so many of these mm. go back to that. No, so, no, so they, they often do. This, this Freudian um, thing mm. you're doing here is good. Mm. Um, yeah. Is that you come, I'd come downstairs and, and then my, my dad would say, um, uh, well, he wouldn't even say. It would just be put out the worm medicine. So the specific medicine, which would be in a, it would put it in a cup. So it would look like a drink. And that's why I've um, perhaps okay. slightly cheatingly put it in this category, mm-hmm. but you'd have to drink it back. So it, it was a drink size. It wasn't just like a shot or a tiny amount. And it was this very unpleasant purple brownish color, I guess. Mm. So it looked odd. It looked like not what a drink of any sort should taste like. You then would pick it up, which you never did straight away because you'd have to get used to the, the look of it. Uh. And then it would smell foul, toxic, very, very unpleasant. And obviously, even before you got to drinking it, it was a bit of a, well, whose fault is this then? Right. So okay. it would be accompanied by a little bit of a guilt kind of, and horrible Yeah, feeling. pointing fingers. Well, actually, this is not my fault. I'm only doing this because of you. So you're having to do this unpleasant thing and then you're engaging a not very constructive to family well being pointing the finger at the person who's nice. who's brought this worms into the family. Oh. Now I, I, I cite this one because I've never had this thing um, floxacillin, 
which oh, is yeah. a kind of more modern drug. I think it didn't exist when I was a child, mm. wasn't so widely prescribed. And my daughter's had that a couple of times for when she's had infections mm -hmm. or uh, I think tonsillitis. And she assured me that, not that she's had the worm medicine, but this is even worse. And the modern equivalent of worm medicine is much better. So oh. like many things, it's much better to be a child now than it was. It's just um, bad place in and time. Bad place in time. I mean, if you're around in Ivan the Terrible's day, then there was nothing and you just die, but um, or you just get overridden by worms. So... So it's the sight of it, then it's the smell, mm. then it's the finger pointing, yeah. and then it's the, well, look, let's just get this over with. So you, you have, like with any unpleasant drink, um, two choices, really. You can either kind of do it a bit slowly or you can down it. But it's a big enough drink that's quite hard to down. It's not, as I say, kind of 50 or 100 milliliters. It's kind of probably 200 milliliters. Oh, now, I, yeah. I never saw the pack. I don't know. That was actually the dosage where my dad just went, let's just give him a proper dosage okay. so it doesn't come back. Yeah. He, uh, I probably should need to check that with him. And um, so and that, my recollection is uh, this occurred uh, every few months, maybe over a year or two. There was a kind of peak age for this to happen. Mm. And so I tried different tactics. But I think the worst one was when I did try and down it because it was too big a drink to down. That's far too difficult to do when you're that age. Yeah. And so inevitably you spill a little bit and then, oh dear, you're going to have to have a bit more. Oh, no. So, so you're feeling awful. You've obviously got some sort of food or another pleasant drink to kind of wash it down with. But it's like, oh, actually, we have to do a second round of it because you've only had 180 milliliters. That's not quite enough to oh. destroy these um, worms that you may or may not have in your own body. So it's just a very, it was very unpleasant. And obviously, again, I've not had this for years. The modern equivalent is much better. Mm. And I'm relying on very um, kind of old memories of what this was like. Mm. But... I, when I thought of your question, what's the worst drink? I, I really tried to think of other drinks. And I just thought this is the thing I'd like, the least like to have. Yeah, the worst thing uh, that you could have for the rest of your life. Oh my God, it sounds horrible. Do you think that there's part of it that your parents were like, that we really want you to take on board that you need to try and not get this again? Um, <laughs> we're going to give you another bit if you spill a little bit. I mean, I suspect they took no pleasure from the process either because no. to some extent as the parent, you're in. You're probably the one that uncovers it. You're probably the one who kind of yes. then realises, okay, we've got to wash all the clothes and towels immediately, all sheets, that all that sort of yeah. thing. So I, it's quite I, a task. I'm sure there was an element of lecture about it and I'm sure it didn't, displeased them that mm. it was so unpleasant that that in itself was obviously quite a um, disincentive to get it. But as I say, often, I mean, you'd never get it deliberately anyway. No. And often it wasn't you individually. It was your, you know, your damn brother. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically your brother. Um, okay. And as well, you're going to have to deal with that for the rest of your life. That's horrible. Okay. Um, dare I ask, anything else on worming medicine? Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> that's plenty. That's it, yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Ivan. All right, we'll have some more from Ivan after this. Ivan, fortunately for you, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work. But just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? I really like films and music, and I generally only watch films that... I'm expecting to like because I read yes. reviews and stuff like that. So actually, it's quite rare that I see a film I really dislike. Okay. So the film I've chosen is a film called Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yes, I saw this. So um, I don't think I've ever seen this. Tell me about Jay and Silent Bob. Well, my, my first piece of advice is do not go and see it. Right. I, I, the, the context in which I saw it was, so it's directed by, it came out uh, 2001, mm. directed by a guy called Kevin Smith, who did a few films in the kind of late 90s that I loved, I really loved. I recognise his name. Really funny films. Um, ben Affleck's in a few of them before mm. Ben Affleck became a superhero, but it gets very funny, um, lots of kind of very sharp humour. The first one called Clerks, or I think Clerks in America. Ah, yes. Black and white, made for $60,000. 
big kind of breakout hit. He did one called Chasing Amy. Um, really, really funny. It's brilliantly written. Mm. So, uh, and, and he did another one called Dogma, which was about God, interestingly. But yes, anyway, so, I've seen that. So, yeah, yeah and, and I, I really liked all of those. And then, so I went to the cinema to see this film mm. with high expectations. Mm. And, and that's the context that is important for this. Because if I'd seen it with no context, it would maybe have just been another bad film. It was so much worse than the other four films by such an unbelievable um, category of awfulness that I have many times subsequently told people who like the other films, please don't see it. Often they've seen it anyway and agreed that it was terrible. So the first problem with it is that it's got enough elements of the original films you like that you from the beginning you kind of hope there's a bit of hope there and what I mean by elements is he literally just has the same characters uh-huh. but he starts getting a bit meta because he has characters from one film and then another film come in mm-hmm. so already there's a bit of a sense of this is going up a bit up yeah it's a yeah it's a yeah yeah um so that that's the first thing that, that it, it's it's lazy because it's using elements of previous films to kind of lull you in but then it's doing something boring and then it's just it goes, it goes into farce so there's all sorts of kind of in jokes mm. but in jokes are really inexpertly delivered there's right. a bit where Ben Affleck who did the films originally because he was friends with Kevin Smith says to camera sometimes you do films to help out a friend and sometimes you do films for a bit of money and, it, and it, I mean he's literally he's laughing at you as the paying member of the audience right okay and I remember thinking is there any any way that i can just contact him directly for my, my money back wow um so all sorts of <laughs> fairly childish things happen they become friends with an animal liberation group who's actually a front for a uh, diamond heist and they are robbing the diamond heist and one of the women farts and that sets off the alarm and breaks the glass oh, there's a lot of that no. sort of humor okay so you know and kevin smith previously had done a bit of that sort of humor but there was enough kind of clever wordplay and kind of intelligence behind it um it's got all sorts of famous people People in um, cameos, so he'd obviously got quite into his celebrity mates by that, and that's always a bad sign when there's lots of. So um, Matt Damon's in it, Carrie Fisher's in it, Chris Rock, Wes Craven, Will Ferrell, Matt Damon. I mean, loads of wow, people okay. who um, you know he'd obviously met at a party and went, "Can you be in my film as yourself or as a version of yourself for two minutes?" And that's pretty depressing. Mark Hamill's in it. He's playing a co- comic book supervillain called Cockknocker. Um, oh. So he's really pitching at that at that level. And as I say, it was because, and it's always a mistake to go into any film with high expectations <laughs> because there's, there's only really one, well, you can just about meet them or the only one way is down. But this was so far below my expectations and such a kind of cheap retread of these films that I liked. It then slightly poisoned the original films for me as well. And he's never really, as far as I'm aware, I've actually, I, I stopped seeing his films after that. Did you? I mean, not necessarily, not necessarily on principle. If there was something really good, I'd see it. But all his other films since then have been a bit um, retreads and also around. You just got this guy who you think there was so much skill and ability and potential, or at least as I saw it. Yeah. And then this absolute farce of disastrousness. And uh, it was awful. And if I had to see that again, well, every day, I Forever. think suggesting. I don't yeah. know if you mean more than once a day, is it? Well, I mean, probably, yeah. Probably several times a day. Well, you've got nothing what, else to in, do. In between... Thatcher, the terrible, and uh, and you know the child hater, eating coleslaw, drinking worm medicine. It's just not a good evening, is it? What do you think these three would think of this film? I can't imagine any of them would enjoy it. <laughs> no. I think Ivan the Terrible would just be interested by the idea of the technology. Obviously, yes, he true. predated that. Evelyn Waugh was a very old-fashioned man. He really didn't think he should go around ever without a kind of three-piece suit on. Very formal. It's hard to imagine he'd enjoy the humour of it. Margaret Thatcher, it's it's hard to know. I, I never got a sense that she had a sense of humour. No. And I expect if she did, it wouldn't be on this level. So no, true. the one thing we would agree on mm. is I think we'd all dislike this film. Okay, that's good. Did you did you stay to the end? Did you watch the whole I thing? Did 
did say at the end, I think um, I think I just kept thinking maybe it will get better a bit later. Um, it didn't. New York Times said it was maybe the greatest picture ever made for a 14-year-old boy, but huh. this is not written by a 14-year-old boy. Kevin Smith may have hit his target, but he aimed incredibly low. So, Ooh. you know, but I think as a 14-year-old, I would have thought it was ridiculous. I no. mean, like, as I say, I'm a big fan of kind of levels of childish humour, but you've got to have something to go with it as well. And it's just one of those films that everybody involved in it, I think they should be made to watch it on a regular basis to remind them that they actually got paid for something that other people paid for that has made their lives immensely worse. Oh my god, that's bad. And really, other than being able to talk about it now, it's really added no constructive value to my life whatsoever. Wow, apart from the... Well, not apart from, but you've mentioned to so many people not to watch this film. Yeah, so I've helped them out. Yeah. But uh, how it's helped me, really, has been pretty negligible. Um, so I, I think it's sad. Uh, to be honest, um, the, the, the worst thing about it is I've read recently he's doing a sequel to that film. So he's always, already done, which again is a bad sign, he's already done a sequel to the film Clerks called Clerks 2, and he's going to do one called Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, which I just think no one's asking for this reboot. Maybe it won't get made. Maybe it won't get financed because I think he's slightly out of favour. But I'd be really interested to hear his justification for it because I think... He was a man of some ability who fell tragically short on that occasion. I feel so disappointed for you that you liked the other film so much and yeah. then you went to watch this and it was so bad. Yeah, and I think that's why I chose it because there are other films I've seen that I don't like, but generally they're films that I've seen knowing I'm not going to like them or they're a type of film that I know isn't my thing, whereas I did think this would be good. And if I haven't made that clear already, it wasn't. Okay, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. They strike back and it's the first film. Okay, interesting. And um, Ivan, what's going to be your song choice? It's a song by the band Eiffel 65 called Blue. I'm Sixty-five. Now I know this song, uh, Blue, and for some reason I've got the weird thing in me that if you were to put this on, I think I could probably recall all of the lyrics. But because there's not many of them, please tell me why you picked this song. Well, in a way, this is a this is more of a lazy choice because mm. this is not my sort of music. This is this is Europop. This is Italian Europop. In fact, it comes from their nineteen ninety album, nineteen ninety nine album. Europop. Wow. So they didn't okay. get the uh, the message that actually Europop is a bit of a toxic brand, at least I thought it was. Mm. So it's three guys, all of no talent, called Jeffrey J, Maurizio Labina, and Gabri Ponte. So uh, the name Eiffel 65 was chosen, as you might imagine, by a computer at random. No, was <laughs> so they, it really? So they selected some words and the computer chose it. And the number 65 was added to it by mistake. So, I mean, there's no backstory here. It's not like, oh, how did they come up with it? No, there's nothing. There's nothing at all. Okay. Um, the, <laughs> so, so there's that. Um, it, I mean, the reason I've chosen it is because at the time, I think I spent much of that summer in... Um, places where they were playing that music so it's just imprinted itself if it came out at a period that i wasn't maybe going out as often uh, okay. you hear it once and move on right. so i think again it's just evocative and i heard a lot i heard it far more often than i would choose um it's obviously an idiot idiotic song and probably the people who wrote it never thought it was any better than that mm. um in fairness to them but it did become very successful so let's talk about the lyrics to begin with so it begins yo listen up here's the story which i think is a bit of an italian 
English is my second language way to begin any lyrics. I'm just not sure that somebody who learned English all their life would do that. Yeah. And I think maybe they needed someone to sit them down and go, actually, maybe another way. Even Once Upon a Time would have been a lot better. Um, it's about a little guy that lives in a blue world and all day and all night and everything he sees is blue. Blue's his house with a blue little window, the blue Corvette, and everything is blue for him. So, I mean, it's some sort of delusional fantasy. Maybe the person's got psychosis. It's unclear exactly what the problem is. But he's obviously deeply troubled <laughs> yeah. and ill in some significant way. Blue are the streets and all the trees are too. I have a girlfriend. She's so blue. Blue like my Corvette. Corvette gets mentioned again. Weird. Both the first and second verse. I'm not quite mm. sure why they think people have Corvettes. I mean, is that, is that a normal car that people have when you're in Italy? That well, I'm, I'm driving a blue Corvette. Um, so, I mean, it, it's obviously bargain basement lyrics, but the, the reason that obviously it's particularly d- dislikable is because it's, it is catchy, but in the most hideous way. So the chorus goes, um, bada bee, bada bing, or something Oh, like no, that. come on, you know um, it. Well, I know it, but um, I don't see much value in singing it. I'm <laughs> sure people can find it if they really need to, although I would strongly discourage them from doing that. Interesting. And um, so it is probably one that if you've heard, you would remember. It's mm. memorable in mm. that extent, but it's memorable in all the worst ways. And whenever it used to come on anywhere, it would always be... Well, if after a certain number of drinks, it would be going to have a word with the DJ. Right, and okay. I don't know about you, but I've only ever gone to have a word with the DJ about anything after a few drinks because I think they should be left to do their work. I think they're they're working, they're professionals. Sure. Um, yeah. you, you have to hope they're benevolent individuals. Okay. Uh, it'd be interesting to see Ivan Terrible behind the deck, actually. Yeah. That might be interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, but when they play a song like that then I think they need some feedback. And even though I accept they probably won't turn it off mid-song, I want to make it clear that they shouldn't be playing it again. And obviously my feedback is only one person. Doubtless the whole room is loving every second of it. I've been so authoritarian on the dance floor. But but, but with only limited success, I should say. I mean, the DJ is obviously very welcome to say, no, this is my, you know, I can do what I like. Mm. And lacking the weaponry of the Aprochniki of Ivan, um, my... uh, my, my namesake um, I, I don't really follow it up so if he doesn't do what I want there's, no, there's been no response anyway I haven't actually heard this song for quite a while I'm hoping to continue that but I know that I'll work into a shopping mall some point soon mm. and some bright spot will pop it on well if you listen back to this you will have heard, heard a very short clip of it really yeah. oh, really you don't think they might sue you think no, they're no, just desperate for the airplay I probably think so. I mean I've just read out half the lyrics is that a problem as well yeah, I don't know um, did you hear this rumour that uh, the lyrics were meant to be I, I'm blue I OD'd and I died that was meant to be a thing at one point. Right? I mean, who knows whether that's valid. Mm. I mean, I think people with a lot of time on their hands will often find messages in lyrics that have no messages because they're so lyrically inept. Right. So it might be they were just trying to give um, Jeffrey Maurizio and Gabriel a helping hand by saying, oh, your lyrics weren't completely inept. They did have some profundity. Maybe they invented it, so at least there was some press about the song. You know, I suspect they just took the money and uh, and ran. So the um, G- Gabriel actually left the group in 2005. I thought you might be interested to know this. Yeah. Um, and then Jeffrey and Maurizio formed their own duo called Bloom 06. So they're going with the, the model of the, the, the words and then the two digits. Blue or Bloom? B- Bloom 06. Bloom. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, it didn't work out for Gabri. So in 2010, the three of them got back together. So they are, I think, still together. Um, I haven't been troubled by them, um, but maybe I'm not listening to the right thing. Do you think they're still doing it then? Do you think they're I think they're still somewhere? playing that song and probably remembering the old days and... 
Well, what else would they play? Well, I think they did have one other song, but um, did they? I, the B side. I, I think B side. It may have been the B side, but I mean, <laughs> essentially, it was a tragic waste of everybody's time and energy. And I wish it had never existed. And it's particularly the fact that they made, I'm assuming, a lot of money from making it. And so it's not just them that I hold to blame. It's the probably million people who purchased it in some form. Oh wow! Okay, I feel sixty-five and blue. For some reason. Um, when you started reading the lyrics there, I thought I might. I knew what the next lyric was going to be, but I think it was around a time where there was a lot of discos and stuff like that, and I must have heard it about a million times, right? It was just on all the time. Yeah, and, and that's the problem with it, because obviously a song that's not popular, you hear it once and hate it, and you just never hear it again. And it doesn't it doesn't, um, it doesn't fill your soul with such loathing as no. one that that is played against your will all the time. Yeah. So that's why I chose it. Yes. Um, and imagine that for the rest of your life. Awful. Okay, Eiffel 65 by Blue. Thank you very much, Ivan. And finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Well, this is just pure prejudice. It's the blobfish. The blobfish? So the blobfish is a deep-sea fish, so I'm not quite sure the context in which the blobfish will be running anywhere, certainly not around the island. But let's assume that we've got a, you know, kind of the the seas right next to us and and, Mm -hmm. and the blobfish is there. The blobfish is just an extremely ugly animal. Um, (laughs) It's it's pure prejudice. It's not that... um, Because I thought about, do I want to pick an animal that could kill me or suffocate me or strangle me or something like that? And I thought, well... That's that's one option, but another option mm. is just an animal that um, aesthetically, because looking at it would just be not very pleasant. So it's quite a bulbous look, I think would probably be the adjective <laughs> we used to describe it. Um, it's not something we come across in the UK very often. They live, um, well, the first day they live kind of well beneath the surface. They live about six to 1,200 metres below the surface of the water. Okay. So you don't come across them when you're swimming. But no. anyway, they're not even anywhere here. They're mostly off Tasmania, mainland Australia around there and a bit right. of New Zealand. So it's not a fish that you would normally come across by chance either because of where it is or by the depth they go to. Mm. The pressure that they're swimming at is, is 100 times greater than at sea level. So um, their the construction of their anatomy is, is such that they can withstand 100 times the pressure that we stand, ah. which I believe um, is, is part of the reason for their absurd appearance. Right, OK. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of gelatinous mass um, and its density is slightly less than water. And so this allows it to, um, um, what it does basically, float just above the seawater without expending any energy so essentially it can move around without really using very much energy so it's a very lazy animal i think it wouldn't be very interested in kind of being a performer it's not like a seal or Mm. uh, an animal that would perform for your amusement it doesn't look very nice I don't think it would be a very, very great nutritional value. So eating no, it, yes, I that's no what I was going to say. Yeah. Which is obviously one of the reasons why you'd want an, uh, an animal to overrun an island. Um, I think the, the one plus side is it wouldn't attack me. I think I'm pretty confident. Well, that's that. good. So, yeah. you know, so, it, so it is ahead of um, crocodiles and sharks and scorpions and snakes for that reason, but that reason only. So it's pure bigotry. I'm not... Um, just because it's an ugly, it's just, ugly I just fish. think it'd be unpleasant. I mean, the, the idea of a desert island, which um, you know we all like to think of, is, is some sort of... Bliss. Bliss, it's, paradise. It's paradise. Yeah. It's some place where it's beautiful sunshine, mm. everything looks nice. Now, I've already really ruined that by yes. the people I've chosen. Well, I've forced you to, yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, it's fine. I didn't mind doing it. And <laughs> um, and I, so I think really the image is yet further undermined by this um, 
blobfish. In a way, I find them quite funny. Yeah. I think maybe if I saw one, it would be funny. And then if I saw thousands surrounding yeah. me, it would just oh, be like a be Horrible. Yeah, that's nightmarish. I know what a blobfish looks like. And yeah. I, I urge anyone listening to this to go and search the blobfish because it is a horrific looking animal. Yeah, if there's someone who you, you know, maybe don't like at work or something, just send them a text with a blobfish. Okay. <laughs> Give them a little <laughs> yeah, wake up nice. call or something that's like that. That's great, yeah. Um, it's, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a horrible thing to wake up to, I'd imagine. Yeah, okay. I think you're probably right. All right, the blobfish is going to be your animal. Thank you so much for coming in, Ivan. No problem. Ivan, um, I already know about the Better Known Podcast, but please tell the listeners about your podcast. So on the Better Known Podcast, uh, each week a guest chooses six things which they think should be better known. So it could be famous people, it could be uh, a place they've been on holiday, it could be a type of food, historical event, anything like that. And then we discuss things they feel very positively about. So in some ways, it's the mirror image of this particular... It, it is. It's the opposite. And, and I've been a guest on the podcast, which was... Uh, thank you very much for inviting me in. And I believe that's going to be out next Monday or if you're listening to this in the future then uh, it's, it is it, there it's there now on the Better Known podcast and people can get that on iTunes anywhere else. and betterknown.co.uk betterknown.co.uk thank you so much Ivan thank you